The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you got your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 6. We're beginning a brand new series today called Framing Faith. And what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks is we're going to be looking at the, found, the foundations and the fundamentals of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. I love this quote from John Wooden. John Wooden was the coach of UCLA basketball, won 10 national championships. He said this, champions are brilliant at the basics. Champions are brilliant at the basics. Kobe Bryant said, don't get bored with the basics. Now, sometimes it's easy. We want to move on to greater things. But man, where we find we're champions, where we really win is in the fundamentals. It's in the foundation. It's in the basics. And so that's what we want to do over the next several weeks is we want to go back to the foundation because there is, there is a framework. There is a foundation you can build your life on that will help you to be a champion. It'll help you to win. I believe God's called you to be a champion. But to be a champion, you got to go back to the basics. You got to run the race to win. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says it like this. It says, don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? It says, run in such a way that you may win. There is a way that leads to winning. And what we want to do in this series is unpack the way that leads to winning in your life. We want to talk about the foundation, fundamental things we need to do as believers that are going to help you walk in the victory that Jesus Christ purchased for you. So Hebrews chapter 6, I want to show you six fundamental principles this morning. We're only going to talk about two of them. Today, we're going to unpack the rest as we go through the, ne- the upcoming weeks. But it says this in verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now, when it says perfection there, it doesn't mean like you got to be perfect. Because guess what? You can't be, okay? In your actions, in your life, you cannot be perfect. It's not talking about your, your conduct being perfect. Really what it's talking about, that word perfection really means maturity, God's saying, let's go on to maturity. Let's leave the elementary principles of Christ and let's go on to maturity. He says, not laying, again, the foundation. Notice that word foundation. The foundation of repentance from dead works, that's principle one. Of faith towards God, that's number two. Of the doctrine of baptisms, that's number three. Of the laying on of hands, that's number four. Of the resurrection of the dead, that's number five. We're going to talk about that in this series. It's going to be good. And of eternal judgment, that's number six. And look at this, verse three. And this we will do if God permits. Now notice where it starts here. It starts with, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity. I want you to know, God expects you to mature. We all come to Jesus where we are, but God doesn't expect you to stay there. He expects you to grow. When you become a part of the family of God, you're born into the family of God, just like you're born into your natural family. You know, we we got a lot of pregnant women in our church right now. (laughs) Corona been good to some of the husbands, right? Our Our staff, there's three women on our staff that aren't pregnant. Every other woman's pregnant. Like babies are coming. It's awesome. Uh, But when you have a baby, you know, you have a baby and you bring that baby home and that baby is cute and you love that baby, but that baby can't do very much. Like they can cry and they can look cute and that's about it. And we're okay with that at the beginning, but we don't expect them to stay like that forever. Like if you're, you know, 25 years old and all you're bringing to the table is you're cute and that's about it. 
you're not bringing much to the table. Like, that's not good, okay? God expects us to grow. He expects us to mature. And, and, and so growth, understand this, growth is expected in the family of God. Growth is expected. A couple weeks ago, we went out to lunch after church with some families from the church, and uh, it was me and Sarah and a few other families. And Every family that was there has multiple kids. So we ended up with like this huge table. We had over 20 people at our table. And, and how we divided it up was the kids were on one end and the adults were on the other, okay? And I found myself on the dividing line. I was right there. Like the kids are here, the adults are here. And I kind of I dug it though, to be honest with you, because I, I had a perspective. I could watch the adults, the mature people eat, and I could watch the immature people eat. And there was quite a difference between the two. Like on the kids' side of the table, like you hear those kids when they're eating, like they don't like to sit. Like, they'll, like this, is the, this is their chair. They'll like maybe put a leg on it like this. And they're just eating and standing up and looking at each other and yelling. Not because they're mad, because that's how they talk. Yeah. Just yelling. Hey, how you doing? yelling at each other. At one point, one of the kids got under the table and, and crawled all the way down the table and popped up between his mom's legs just to, you know, check in on her. There was, there was this little three-year-old girl at one point, and she just, like, got up and just started walking off. Just walking off. Her dad was like, hey, mama, where are you, where are you going? And she was just like, <laughs> came back and sat down. She didn't know where she's going. Just going. There was a kid that fell. There was some crying. It was awesome. And I was watching all this, and I was thinking, I, I brought it up. I was like, what if we still acted like that as adults? Like, what if we're just standing there talking to each other? It's like, man, church was good today. <laughs> like someone got under the table and just started walking, like came up to you and was like, hey, how you doing, right? <laughs> Sarah's just eating, enjoying her food, and she just gets up, starts walking away. Babe, where are you going? I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> like we start there, and that's kind of okay in the beginning. And we, you know, obviously we want our kids to mature, but we don't stay there. You stay there, and that's called disturbing the peace later on, okay? <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that. We're expected to grow. And in the same way, listen, we all come to God where we are. We all start off where we are, but God doesn't expect you to stay there. He wants you to move on to greater things because there are greater things in store for you. Yeah. You know, it's good to mature. There's freedoms that come with maturity. There's, there's privilege that comes with maturity. And God has some stuff for you that he wants you to step in. But in order to get to it, you're going to have to qualify. Look at verse 3. It says this. Back to our verse here, Hebrews 6, 3. It says, and this we will do if God permits. If God permits. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? If God permits. Wouldn't you think God would want us to mature? When you think he'd want us to move on to greater things, of course he does. But here's the, here's the thing. In order for us to move on to the greater things, we've got to qualify. Because if we're not qualified to handle it, it's not going to be good. So, so in this series, we're going, to talk, we're going to be talking a lot in construction terms, framing our faith. We're going to talk about the foundation today and the infrastructure of your faith. And, you know, if you've ever built a building, if you know anything about construction, the first thing that you do is you have to build a foundation. And when you're building a foundation, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into the foundation and there's a lot of, of work and inspection that goes into the foundation. One of the things that they do is once you lay the foundation, there's going to be inspectors that are they're going to come and they're going to look at the foundation that you built and they're going to have your blueprints and they're going to look at the foundation based on your blueprints and they're going to make sure that what you're building 
can, can the, the foundation can handle what the blueprints are wanting to build. So you may have some great plans for your life, a big dream for your life, but if the foundation can't handle it, you're not going to be able to move on. So what happens is that the inspectors come out, they look at your foundation, and if the foundation's good, you know, they'll run some tests, some different stress tests and things like that to make sure that the foundation can handle it. And if it can, they give you the green tag to go ahead and keep moving on and keep building. But if not, they give you the red tag. And if they give you the red tag, they're not being mean. They're trying to protect you from problems that you're going to face down the road if you don't get this right now. In the same way, listen, God wants to build something in your life. You may have big plans. God may have big plans for you. But if the foundation of your life is not built on something that can handle it, God's being a good steward when he says, no, no, let's keep working on this until we get this strong. He can't move you ahead because there's going to be problems down the road if you don't get this right. That's why it says, if God permits, before you move ahead, God has to sign off that what you're building on can handle what you're trying to build. So the reason this is so important is because there's storms and there's trials and there's stresses that are going to come against your life. You know, that's why we, we put so much work into the infrastructure of the house. That's why, you know, we want to build and, and frame that house a certain way. And there's going to be inspections done on the framing. And there's going to be inspections done on the electrical. And there's going to be inspections done on the plumbing. There's going to be all these inspections to make sure this house can handle it because there's going to be stresses that come against this house that's connected to this world. And in the same way, your life, you're connected to this world. This world's broken. And there's going to be stresses and problems that come against your life. And so you need a firm foundation. You need to have the right infrastructure in place so that you can handle it. And and the beginning basics of this is you've got to build your life on the foundation of the Word of God. There was a survey done not too long ago. And they, they actually went to believers, to Christians, and asked them some questions. And they found this. They found that half of the people who identify themselves as believers or Christians do not believe in the devil, they don't believe in hell, and they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, just so you know, if, that's, if like you hear that today and you go, yeah, I can get on board with some of that, <laughs> just so you know, if that's how you're building your life, you're building your life on the wrong foundation, because this is basic Bible right here, some of this stuff. Like, like the Holy Spirit, he, we, we find the Holy Spirit in chapter one of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and he's all throughout the Bible. We're introduced to the, de- the devil, Satan, in chapter three of Genesis, and he's all throughout the Bible. And Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. So if, you, if you're not agreeing with some of those things, then let me just tell you, you're picking and choosing through the word of God, and that is a very dangerous way to live your life. So, so here's like, let me give you like some wet cement foundational like Bible right now, okay? If you're going to, before we can go any further with this series, you've got to come to terms with this idea, all right? The word of God is truth. The Bible is truth. In fact, I want you to say that with me. The Bible, actually, let me, let's I say it with me. I'll say it, you repeat, okay? Let's get this right. The Bible is truth. And you've got to settle that in your heart. You really do because there's safety that comes with believing that the word of God is truth and building your life on a foundation based on it. Jesus himself, the son of God said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Second Timothy three sixteen says all scripture. Everybody say all. All, all is all, right? It's all. All scripture is God breathed. 
It's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness. All scripture. Listen, the Bible was penned by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit and the word of God is the actual word of God. It is what it is. So listen, if the Bible is truth, like let's, let's get real, okay? If the Bible is truth, then something that disagrees with the Bible is what? It's a lie. That's right. The word of God is truth. So anything else is a lie. In fact, this is what Romans 3, 4 says. Let God be true and every human being a liar. And so we build our life on the word of God as truth. And listen, we're living in a world today where they, they want to disagree with the word. They want to say there's different truths out there. But, but that's not even possible. <laughs> like if one thing's a truth, then, nothing, then something else can't be another truth. If this is true, then that's a lie, right? Yeah. So we build our life on the word of God and it being truth. And there's safety that comes with building your life on that. Because listen, there's gonna be stresses that come against you in life. You know, when you're, when you're building a house and you work so hard on the foundation and you put so much work into the, the framework and you're doing all that, the reason you do it is because that infrastructure is what helps support that house against the stresses that it experiences in this world. And in the same way, in this world, you're gonna experience, there's gonna be stresses against your marriage. There's gonna be stresses against your finances. There's gonna be stresses that try to come against you and knock you down. In fact, Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter six. Look at verse 46 with me. It says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Now, this is a really good question here by Jesus. Like he's kind of going, you know what Lord means, Right? Like, just so you guys know, just to clarify, Lord means master. <laughs> so God's saying, you call me master, but then you don't do what I say. It, it, like, that doesn't work that way, just so you guys know. We'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later. Verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Notice, you don't just hear it. You don't just hear it and go, well, maybe. You hear it and you do it. It says, you hear me and you do what I say. He says, I will show you whom he's like. So who we're about to read about here, this first little person here, this, group, this, this person that's identified here, this is the person that hears the word and obeys based on what it says. They do what the word of God says. It says, he is like a man who built a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, notice it doesn't say, and if a flood arose... It says, when the flood arose, there's going to be floods, there's going to be stresses, there's going to be attacks, and you need to be prepared beforehand to handle the stresses and the attacks that come against you. When the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. It was founded on the word. Now look at this, verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing, so the person who heard the word and didn't do anything based on it, is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. So according to Jesus, the word of God creates an indestructible foundation in your life. I want you to know this morning, God loves you. Like just so you know, like let's make that really clear. God so loved the world that he did what he gave his son. He loves you. And he knows what this world has in store for you. He knows there's going to be attacks against you. He knows the enemy is going to come after you. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Did you know that's a promise of God? 
Like we love the prom- we love we we you know we're all about like all the promises are yes and amen. And Jesus promised you you're going to have trouble. But that's a promise. But Jesus will be with you. He'll take care of you, but you will face stuff. You're going to face problems in life. Jesus doesn't promise you a perfect life free from all trials. You're going to have stresses against you. And that's why God wants you to build your life on the word. Because that solid foundation is going to be what holds you up and protects you and keeps you safe when this world attacks you. So the word of God helps us. It's, it brings safety to us. It protects us and helps us to be held up against the stresses of life. But it's also what determines how far God can take you. Let me, let me read this to you. The size of the structure is determined by the strength of the substructure supporting it. When you're building a house, the size of the structure is determined by the strength of the substructure supporting it. You can't build a giant, you know, 100-story building on a tiny little foundation. You just can't do it. The foundation has to be solid and has to be strong in order for you to build it. And the, the, the size, what determines how big what you can build is, is how strong that foundation is. Let me take this, make this a little bit more personal. The size of the significance of your life is determined by the strength of the word of God supporting it. The size of the significance of your life is determined by the strength of the word of God supporting it. I truly believe with all my heart, based on the word, that God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. He wants to do great and mighty things through your life. But if he comes to your life and he wants to do all that, and he comes to you and all he finds is a tiny little foundation, he's not going to move you ahead into that. God's a good steward. He would be a bad steward if he let you move on because your life is going to crumble under the weight of that structure that's not strong enough for it. So God's looking for a strong foundation. The significance of a structure is determined by the quality of the infrastructure supporting it. The the quality of your marriage, the quality of your relationships, the quality of your finances, the quality of your parenting. It's all contingent on the strength of the infrastructure supporting it. So the question is, are you building your life on the word of God? Is the word of God foundationally strong in your life? Now, when I say building our life on the foundation of the word of God, I'm not talking about picking and choosing what parts of the word of God you want to build your life on, because that's very dangerous. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, we have another account of what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 6, and in Matthew 7, he gives us another detail on this. Look at this with me. Matthew 7, verse 26, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the what? What does it say, church? Sand. Okay, what is sand? Sand is little bitty rocks, isn't it? It's a bunch of little tiny rocks. And this is what a lot of people today want to build their life on. They don't want to build their life on the wholeness of the word of God. They want to pick and choose what little parts of the word they want to build their life on. And the Bible talks about in the last days, which we're living in, there'll be a lot of people who live this way. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They won't want to listen to it. They won't listen and obey and walk by what the word of God says. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. They'll find people that say what they want to say, how they want it said, when they want it said. 
Verse four, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is called selective listening. And this is a major problem in the Christian world today. A lot of people want to pick and choose what parts of the word they want to be submitted to and what parts of the word don't really apply to them. I love that part of the word that says God loves me and Jesus wants to free me. I like that. I like that he'll forgive me of my mistakes. That's cool. I like that part. But that serving stuff, I don't know about that. That doesn't feel very good. That tithing stuff, I don't don't know about that. You know, church, like they don't need my money. They got enough money as it is. Someone else will take care of it. I'll just eat for free. Ooh. I know the Bible says that I shouldn't have sex before I'm married, but I love her. And we're living together, yes, I know that that's, you know, some people would call that sin. <laughs> but we love each other. And, you know, eventually we're going to get married. That's got to count for something, doesn't it? It does count for something. It's sand. On, and I just want you to know, if you're building your life in this pattern, it's not going to hold up. Can I get an amen? amen? And listen, I know that, like, You know, I'm preaching, and it's kind of like, I don't really, some of you are like, I don't really like what he's saying right now. (laughs) Well, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to deliver the word. And sometimes when you deliver the word, and you're obeying God like I'm called to do, because I'm going to stand before God someday, and he's going to look at me, and he's going to judge me based on how I did this. So I'm a little bit more concerned on what he thinks than you, just so you know. And sometimes when I'm up here and I'm telling you this, you may not like it, but I'll tell you this, you can build your life on it. It's a solid foundation you can build your life on that will stand. So you may not like it, it may not feel good, but I'm telling you, it's truth. And if this is truth, then what you're believing is probably a lie. All right, are we good? You guys good? We can't be consumer Christians, church. It's, It's plaguing the world today. And God wants to build something in your life, but he can't. The size of the significance of your life is determined by the strength of the word of God supporting it. And if you're just picking and choosing, you're not building your life on a strong foundation that's going to be good, all right? So that's my intro. You guys, all right. So get ready. We got like four more hours here. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to get into now these first two things that we're going to build our life on. But that intro is important because it's going to be, we're going to need to keep coming back to that over and over again throughout this series. So I want to talk to you about these first two things. There's six principles, but there's the first two we're going to cover today. Hebrews 6, verse 1 says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, that's number one, and faith towards God. So we're going to talk about repentance from dead works and faith towards God. These are two solid foundations you can build your life on that will hold up. Now, to help you understand these, I'm going to give you three points today that if you'll begin to come into agreement with these three points and work these three points into your life, you will be building on the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. All right, so are you ready for this? Here's number one. The first thing you got to realize is you belong to God. We belong to God. You are not your own free moral agent to do whatever it is you want to do. 
Jesus didn't die so you could be free to do whatever you want. He came and died on the cross so you could be free to now follow him and be free from sin and its clutches against you that are preventing you from walking in the fullness of life God has for you. So this is what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Now look at this. You are not your own. Turn to the person beside you and say, you don't belong to you. You don't belong to you. You're not your own. For you were bought with a price. You want to know what that price was? It was the blood of Jesus. Jesus died, he sacrificed his life so he could purchase you from the, from the grip of, of hell and death because before you belong to God, you belong to the devil. Now you can belong to God, amen to that. You belong to God, purchased by Jesus Christ, so glorify God with your body. You're not free to just do whatever you wanna do. It's like Jesus said in Luke 6, you call me Lord, but you're not doing what I tell you to do. How can you call me Lord? I'm ma- Lord means master. That means that God gets to, make the sh- gets to call the shots. So if you made Jesus Lord of your life, you belong to him. If you call Jesus Lord, you're not just a free agent to do whatever you want. But, but what a lot of people want to do is we want to call ourselves Christians, but we want to do whatever it is we want to do, and then we want to invite God in to just kind of bless it later. God, I'm going to do my thing, and then I'm going to invite you in, and I'm going to invite you to kind of bless, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to energize my efforts. <laughs> That's not what God does. God's not going to energize your selfish efforts. God energizes what he initiates. So if you want God energizing your life, you've got to do what God's called you to do. You're not free to do anything. We're free to do all through Christ Jesus. Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't just do anything you want to do. You can do what God has called you to do. And when you do what God's called you to do, you're strengthened by God to do what he's called you to do. If you're tracking with me, say amen. Amen. So, So the strength we find is a strength we find through Jesus. I belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. So our work isn't just about what we want all the time. Now, the good news is God has good plans for you. And we'll get into that in a moment. But we belong to God. I don't belong to me. You don't belong to you. We belong to God. Here's number two. We don't run the show. We don't run the show. We want to run the show. But let me just tell you, you are bad at running the show. We can't run the show. We're not good at it. When the Bible talks about people and God and our relationship, uh, the, the illustration that's used most often, the analogy that's used most often in scripture is the analogy of sheep and a shepherd, where we're the sheep and God's the shepherd. And just so you know, it's not a huge compliment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like sheep, sheep are not the, the most amazing animals in the world. You know, you don't go to the zoo and, and go by and like, let's look at the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they have sheep at the zoo. No one's real impressed by him. They got goats, but no sheep. Anyway, sheep struggle because sheep have some major problems. Number one, sheep can't navigate. Like if you take a sheep and you move it, say, 100 yards away from where it normally is, where it can't see anything familiar, it is now completely lost. Like, that's a sheep. Like, sheep don't have the ability to navigate like a dog. Like, some of you have done this. You got sick of your dog, and so you drove it 50 miles away and dropped it off. And the next day, it was back at your house. That sucker navigated his way back home. 
I remember one time I got bucked off a horse when I was a kid and I was probably a couple miles away from the barn. I got bucked off this horse and now I'm just kind of sitting there going, well, he gone, so I guess I'll walk back to the barn. I hope, I don't know what happened to him. When I got back to the barn, he was at the barn. He's kind of looking at me like, oh, you made it. Like a lot of animals can navigate, but not sheep. Sheep can't navigate. And I think my wife may be part sheep. I love you. Let's just so you guys know. Sarah's super brilliant. Like she is so smart. My kids all make straight A's. They're very intelligent. They got all that from their mama. She's unbelievably intelligent, but the girl cannot navigate to save her life. Not too long ago, her and Courtney, who's over here, they were going to Tulsa to visit family because their family's in Tulsa. And you, you, they've changed it since, but on the way to Tulsa, Will Rogers Turnpike, there was that McDonald's halfway and you could turn in and get some, you know, and so they had the kids, so they stopped there, let the kids go to the restroom, got some drinks and stuff, and then they, they went on their way. Well, I got a call from Sarah about an hour and a half and she's like, you'll never guess where we are. I was like, Tulsa, you know? She's like, no, we're in Edmond. They uh, turned around. What's awesome is they had no idea until the sign said, welcome to Oklahoma City. They thought they were still going to Tulsa, so they had to turn around and do it all over again. So good. Sheep, Sarah can't navigate. She's part sheep. Sheep can't navigate. Here's another thing about sheep. Sheep are not good at carrying burdens. Like again, sheep, they have like kind of this big round body and they got these tiny little legs and little hooves. And, and they also, they create their own burden daily. They're always growing wool, growing more burden all the time. And so what happens is they'll get, you know, a little top heavy, and if you knock them over, they may not be able to get back up. <laughs> kind of pathetic, right? They're not good at carrying burdens. You don't hear about like a packed sheep. Load up the sheep. Let's go. No, don't happen. Sheep can't defend themselves either. Like, no one's afraid. You're not, like, out in the woods and being like, man, I hope there's no sheep out here. (laughs) Did you hear that, bat? I think I heard a bat. Run! (laughs) No horror movies right now where people are, like, running from sheep. Oh, God. (laughs) They're not very vicious. They can't defend themselves. They are open targets to prey. And so, (laughs) you're a sheep. Turn the person beside you and say, I'm a sheep. And so here's the deal. Think about that. You're not very good at navigating on your own. You're not very good at carrying burdens on your own. And you're not very good at protecting yourself on your own. And that's why over and over again, the Bible talks about us having this dependency on God. You see, we're talking about maturity, right? We're talking about a foundation and maturity. And, and I think the problem that a lot of us have is we look at our maturity with Christ like we do our maturity in the world. See, when you have children, you raise your children, one of the goals is that they would grow up and grow uh, independent of you, right? That they can, you know, handle themselves on their own and get married and kind of have their own life. And you're still connected to them, but they're growing independent of you. And I think sometimes we think that's how it is with God. Like to grow and mature, I don't need God as much. The opposite is true when it comes to the kingdom. Maturity in Christ Jesus is maturing to a place where you recognize you cannot live without him. In him you live and move and have your being. You need him. That's maturity in Christ Jesus. That's where we need to go. But we all, like sheep, like the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. 
each of us has turned to. So this is what we turn to. We turn to our own way. We want to run the show. But you running the show is not in your best interest. Your best life is a life submitted to allowing God to make the calls. In fact, the most famous scripture, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is what David wrote in Psalm 23 when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now look at all this good stuff we're about to read here. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Which is so cool because if you know anything about shepherds, shepherds kind of walk in, in their sheep. They, they lead them, but they also sometimes let them lead and they follow them. So the goodness and mercy that's following them is God. Yeah. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A lot of good stuff there, right? Yeah. But notice where it starts. It starts with the Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is my shepherd, I find comfort. I find peace. He leads me. He takes care of me. He, when the Lord is my shepherd, I find everything I need. But in order for the Lord to be my shepherd, I have to disqualify myself from being my shepherd. I have to say, I can't run the show. I don't have the ability. So God, I, I allow you to run the show. And here's the good news for you is that leads us to our third point, which is this. God's got the plan. God's got the plan. And the plan he has is good. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has good plans for your life. In fact, the Bible says that God delights in the prosperity of his people. God has a good plan for your life. He's got, he's marked out your days. He knows what's best for you. And so you saying, okay, I can't run the show. I'm gonna submit and allow you and, and follow your plan and believe that your plan's the best plan is the best possible thing you can do. But we struggle with that. We all do. Because we think we know better. We think we got it figured out, but we really don't. We really don't. We're limited in our thinking. When I was three years old, 1983, people, 1983, there's a movie that came out called Return of the Jedi. And in this movie, there were these little animals, or little creatures, I guess, called the Ewoks. You guys remember the Ewoks? They were these cute little kind of bear-like animals, but they were tough. And three-year-old Josh liked them quite a bit because they were cute, but they were tough. And I guess I could relate to that as a three-year-old. I'm cute, but I will cut you. <laughs> so I used to uh, pray and asked God to turn me into an Ewok. My parents told me this. And I knew, I knew enough to know that like, you know, God's just not gonna turn you into an Ewok. So I thought this, if I'm an Ewok for Jesus, like then he'll do it. So that's what I'll do, I'll be an Ewok. Like if you, God, if you turn me into Ewok, like I'll tell other kids about Jesus. Like I was gonna be a great little witness for Jesus as a little Ewok. And so I would... I would, I would kneel down by my bed, I would fold my little hands, and I would pray and ask God, Lord, just turn me into an Ewok. If you turn me into an Ewok, I'll be an Ewok for Jesus all the days of my life. I'd go to bed and I'd wake up the next morning and look at my hands, and they weren't paws. And it was very disappointing. 37 years later, 
Man, am I glad God didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> you know, I would have probably had a pretty good run there for about three or four years, being the only creature of my kind on the planet. But eventually, the newness would have worn off, and who knows, I could be in a zoo right now. I would have had a lot harder time landing my wife, Sarah, if I was a three-foot-tall bear-like creature. God knew better than me. I thought, and now, at, at that point in my life, that, I, that's, that's, that was the best possible plan I could see. This is, this is good. But I didn't know. And you know what? That's us. You may think you're better than that, but you're not. A lot of our plans are praying for, to be an Ewok for Jesus, really, in comparison to what God has planned for you. Because we don't know. We're limited by what we know, what we see, what we understand, but God's not. God knows you, and he knows the plans he has for you, and they're good plans, and he's got stuff locked up inside of you that he wants to reveal to you, and as you begin to build your life and submit to him and say, I know you got the plan, then God will begin to unpack those plans he has for you and show you how to step into them, and it's the best plan. It's the best plan. God's got the plan. You need to trust him with it. Psalms 37 verse 5 says this. It says, trust in the Lord. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about faith in God. Faith is trust. Faith in God and repentance from dead works. Just so you know, repentance from dead works doesn't just mean you're repenting from sinful works. That's a part of it. But it's also repenting from just works that are outside God's plan. Because yeah. see, sometimes we're, it's not that our works, what we want is sinful. It's just not God's best, his highest, his plan. So we're repenting. We're saying, God, I understand. I don't know it all. I don't got it figured out. My faith and my trust is in you and your plan. And I know because you made me, you know what makes me tick. Because you made me tick. The plans you have for me are good. And so I'm submitted to you and I'm going to follow after you and trust you with my plans. Trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Look at this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice it's not the desires of your head because your head don't know. It's the desires of your heart. See, God doesn't give you what you want, what, what you want. He gives you what to want. He gives you the desires that he's locked inside of you. He begins to reveal them to you. And just so you know, what he wants for you is really what you want for you. You just don't know it yet. As you, get to, as you begin to follow God and delight in his plan for your life, you start to recognize this is the best plan for my life. God's not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to give you the kingdom. That's what he wants for you. And if you will trust in the Lord and follow after him, you can walk in that. Isaiah 49, 23, truly those who hope and trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. You won't be disappointed following God. So I can tell you with all confidence today that you can hand over the plans of your life to God and trust him with it, that it's your best life. So number one, we belong to God. You're not a moral free agent to do whatever you want to do. God's got a plan for your life. We don't run the show. He's, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. If we trust in him and, and hand over the plans of our life to him, we'll walk in the fullness of the plan he has for us and it's the best plan. And if you'll begin to work this in your life and come to agreement with that, you begin to build your life on a foundation that is strong, that can hold up against the storms and the stresses of life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. 
And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.